This is the Sermon Podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio, where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion, and relentless compassion. Join us for worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 11.15 a.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. Our gospel today comes from John, the ninth chapter. Um, you, thank you very much for staying, but you may be seated. This is a long passage, so you may sit down. It's okay. I will not, will not make you stand for all of this. But stand in spirit and listen. All right. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he has been born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind, so that way God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam which means sent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Others were saying, no, but it's someone who looks like him. He kept saying, I am the man. But they kept asking him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus, made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? And he said, I don't know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. The Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not observe the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said, He is a prophet. Now the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked him, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind, but we do not know how it is that now he sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid that the Jews and the priests were afraid of the Jews and of the priests. For the Jews had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents had said, he is of age, ask him. So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and they said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I don't know whether he is a sinner. 
One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples? Then they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Here is an astonishing thing. You do not know where he comes from, and yet he opens my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but he does listen to one who worships him and obeys his will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born eternally in sins, and here you tr- and are you trying to teach us? And they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is this, sir? Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near, near had heard him, heard him say this. So they said to him, surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would not have sin. But now that you say, we see, your sin remains. The gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Christ. So this passage was uh, randomly picked. This day was randomly picked. I Picked it on a day, and it was brilliant that it was this passage. Um, this lines up in the lectionary. Uh, this I translated from Greek into English. Not today. I did this over the summer. That would have been a lot of work to do that for today, and I'd already done it, and it's already printed in English. So I was like, hey, that just works out a lot easier for me. But in trying to translate something, you figure out that there is multiple words that can help figure out one word or a phrase. Um, Same sense if we read a book, we kind of know what the author might be saying or the flow of how it goes. So in the original Greek, when we read it, uh, when the blind man says, why do you want to hear it again? Do you want, or do you also want to be his disciples? It's this sarcastic jab that's just really kind of funny because I don't know, I just really liked it when I first read it. I was like, oh my gosh, like these guys are pretty important people and you're just going off on them. Like just, yeah. And then they respond with not being very happy or pleased with his remark. But it allowed for me to think about it and go, well, why then would he say this joke to the Pharisees? Why then would he risk um, upsetting them? Uh, one theory could be that maybe through the years of him being a blind man and through him being a beggar, that he has developed this sense of humor that whenever somebody attacks him or whenever he's in a tough situation, he relies on that. Or um, it could maybe be that he's actually trying to get a point across to them that maybe they should try to be Jesus' disciples. 
Um, Still, though, in this passage, uh, it is about a blind man who is receiving his sight from Jesus. But maybe it's not just that. Maybe it's not just the physical sight that is being restored. It could be his faith, his spirituality, his connection with God that then is restored. But to kind of connect something in my life, uh, I used to be a camp counselor uh, in New Hampshire, primarily watched over uh, eight-year-old boys. I'd have them for about a week. Um, In one of these particular weeks, I had a young boy who had a little bit of a problem, I guess you could say. Uh, It was more prevalent in his own eyes to see this problem, as well as kind of what society has more so geared around this kid. Uh, He was missing his left pinky. Um, That happened in a freak accident. It had been cut off. Uh, And there was a lot of things of where he would be doing really well. And then if his bandage had come off, he would just stop what he was doing. Like if he was playing kickball and all of a sudden was running to first base and realized that his bandage wasn't there, he would stop and look at me and be like, I can't play anymore. I'm done. And he would just walk away. Um, Which was a drag. I mean, it was horrible because this kid was very talented. Um, and he just wanted to spend time with us. But the, the, his own perception of him not having an appendage stopped him from doing things. Um, the fact that he might not be normal. So now these two individuals, the blind man and the young boy, uh, although they are separated by approximately 1,984 years or so, something like that, I think. Slight math. Um, They are a little similar. Uh, And it's not just their physical, the physicalities of it, but that they they have this, the physicality pitted against them, but along with the social construct of the time that they were. Um, A lot of people look down on the fact that the blind man was indeed blind. And maybe some people nowadays would look down upon this kid for uh, not having an appendage. But... The way that that comes across in their life uh, could be a lot more of what they perceive and less of what our Creator perceives, what God sees. Um, and it was to, it's to try and turn their vision in this towards God. Now, the same problem, this also happens with the Pharisees. The Pharisees are very stuck in and rooted in what they see, what is the social norm. Um, and in that, in, in their rooted state, uh, they, they don't like the fact that Jesus is doing these miracles. They don't like that. They're, they're now giving a, someone who has always been, always will be a blind beggar a voice. He now has the opportunity to communicate with people, to look them in the face, to talk about them, to change his circumstances in life. And that's just throwing the Pharisees completely off, that someone could actually do that. Could change where they were. Um, in the in the Greek, they say that the the blind man's name is literally the blind man. It's not John who is the blind man or Stephen who is the blind man. His name is just the blind man, and it could be that in that culture they just say that's your name because of your hindrance, or the writers just decided we'll just leave it as simple as possible. But in this, in this, we see the failure of the Pharisees to acknowledge this person, to say that they must be less. Um, 
And in that, I think that that's something that all of us kind of struggle a little bit. We all struggle a little bit with, you know, our own uh, happenstances, our own ways of falling short. Uh, I know that for me, uh, I tend to not see things immediately. And sometimes I rethink on my day and realize, oh, I really should have done something about that. Um, one instance is that uh, there's a, there is sexism in our day-to-day lives. There is in the workplace and in classrooms and other things like that. And there's multiple times in a day when something happens and I think it's completely normal. And then someone makes a comment or I think on it later and I'm like, oh, that was totally a situation that I should have stepped back or I should have made sure that somebody else got to say what they needed to say. Um, And then I try to fix that for the next time that it happens. Um, But the fact that that happens is is a drag in and of itself. Um, But moving aside from that, uh, in the communities that we are with that, uh, that it's, it's these communities that help us understand our lives better and help us to live out our lives. I mean, these are the people that we connect with help to form friendships. They help to form support groups. And in other ways, they can comfort us. Uh, but likewise, that can also blind us uh, from where God is working within us, where God is trying to uh, help us, lift us up. Now, even, even the simplest of things can reintegrate God into the situation. A smile throughout your day can brighten somebody else's life. I mean, just the simplest of things for us. Even if it's to help, you know, jumpstart a vehicle on your way to church, you might be late to church. That's okay. You're doing God's God's work in the world. You're helping someone else start their car. But that interaction can definitely uh, impact that person in a new way, that ministerial opportunity. Um, And in that same format, uh, this miracle then happens. Jesus saving or restoring the sight to the blind, it it is as if we're re-jump-starting a car. Uh, To God, who is the creator, who is the lover of all, that miracle is another gift of love, another gift of grace that God can give to um, the blind man in the same way that we could help out in a similar similar fashion. Um, But what is interesting is that this, this blind man then doesn't know who is helping him. He knows that it's Jesus, a man called Jesus, but doesn't know that Jesus is in fact Christ. But chooses then to uh, support Jesus against the Pharisees and the Sadducees who are saying that this is a sinner, that this is a bad man. And this man is just going, no, it's, it, it can't be. He restored my sight. This is a good man. And so the blind man then trusts fully in Jesus without knowing who Jesus is, has decided, I will support this person. In the like sense, uh, throughout the week, uh, the young boy who I had at camp Uh, was supported by the community around him, by adults, by his peers, uh, through activities, that by the end of the week, he was not wearing his bandage anymore. Um, And I hadn't even noticed that. It took his father to then say something to me, pull me aside and say, he's not wearing his bandage? And I was, I just didn't know. I was like, I didn't know that. It's not on his hand. Then I guess he's not wearing it. Cool. Uh, and it's, it's those opportunities of love and compassion that allow for us to move forward, that allow us to keep on going in a way that um, 
is really for the betterment and is really for our continued growth to know that we are all beloved children of God. And so my prayer for this all is that we might be able to see clearly as the blind man did, um, that God has given us gifts of clarity in our life, that through moments we can realize when we are doing the right and when we are um, moving on the same path that God is, that uh, pieces of hope and compassion, that through the word and through the sacraments um, and in the gathering of the saints will help us to fill our moments of solitude and prayer, um, help us understand what we are doing and lift us up, especially through these practices that we now do during Lent. That somehow this will help us break through our own personal blindness. That is our fear or our hurts or our pains. That we might understand that through grace alone, that strictly through grace, that we are saved and that we are loved. And that God's love is greater than, well, anything. It's greater than sight. It's greater than our perceptions. And that through that... uh, we may be able to see just a little bit more clearer. Amen.